Good morning. I will never forget that morning. It was almost exactly 10 years ago when I received the phone call that I knew was coming any day, but that I dreaded that my mother had passed away. It was December 17th, 2008, almost exactly 10 years now. Somebody asked me this week how I'm doing. How are you doing, John? And I had to be honest that, you know, it feels kind of dark. And it has ever since the Christmas of 2008. To be honest with you, the holiday season has always, for me, had a certain quality to it. I don't know if you have an experience like this, but it's a kind of darkness, really, and it seems to be accentuated by this time of year with its expectations of joy and all the celebrations. But at the same time, the days are the shortest and the nights longest, and there is just so much darkness. We hear echoes of this in the famous scripture passage from the prophet Isaiah that we've just heard. The same, this same text actually was read this Wednesday morning, I don't know if you saw it, but at the state funeral for our 41st president, George H.W. Bush. Isaiah 60 was read. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples. And that this just seems to describe December for me. <laughs> Especially a December that includes a heightened awareness of loss because of missing someone. Whether it's a spouse or a parent, brother or a sister, a child a good friend, a grandparent. The loss can, can make the darkness feel even deeper, if that's possible. And perhaps the darkness is from another kind of loss, the loss of a relationship, or the death of a dream. It may be related to a, a long time waiting for something you thought was going to happen and simply hasn't happened. Perhaps it's a result of worry, someone you love is in trouble, or going through something that you wish you could fix, but you can't. Darkness, gloom, even despair, com comes in many forms. So this week when I heard the granddaughters of George H.W. Bush read the opening words of Isaiah 60 on Wednesday morning, I knew it would be right for this week's message. Even though I had planned to preach on another text, I imagined reading these words in our worship service today and, and I got a lump in my throat, which is often a sign that the Holy Spirit is about to do something. <laughs> those words, those words, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. These words suggest that the darkness is not, the darkness does not have to be the end of the story. 
yes, darkness is a reality, but here's the deal. It's in a time of darkness that we can choose to welcome light. When you think about it, it's because of the darkness that we really know what light is. There's a contrast there. And to shift the metaphor a bit, it's in times of sadness that we can choose to welcome hope. The same thing works. And I believe this passage from Isaiah gives us a clue as to how it works. The prophet says this, nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of a dawn. There's a sense that those who find this light, who find the hope, that they intentionally face the dawn. Now to me, this is one of the most powerful images of of darkness versus light, and, and gloom versus despair. And it involves, get this, it involves a willingness to face the darkness rather than run from it. There's an old Jewish fable that's told in connection with this passage from Isaiah. A man was out walking just after sunset. And in the gathering darkness, several people, maybe his friends, placed lights along his path to illumine the way. But unfortunately, the lights would not stay lit and he found himself in total darkness, lost and without hope of finding his way. Eventually, he decided that he would simply wait for the dawn. The parable stands for the nation of Israel, which saw Moses' light go out, King David and King Solomon's, their lights went out, and other prophets and kings whose lights went out. But now the nation waits for God's light to dawn. In the meantime, Jerusalem is still in the devastated state to which the Babylonians had reduced it when they came in and conquered them. That's the historical background of Isaiah 60. They were a conquered country, a conquered city. They were in ruins. And the Babylonians took all the wealthy people, all the smart, all the powerful people, and deported them exiled them to Babylon, took them away. So back in Jerusalem are the ruins, there's darkness, and there's no hope. And the prophet Isaiah speaks into this darkness and suggests that the story is not over. Yes, the city's in ruins, but the sun is dawning over that city. He says that the day is coming when their sons and daughters will come home again. Did you hear that in the scripture? Your sons are coming and your daughters will be carried in their nurses' arms. And and the day is coming when the surrounding nations will once again be drawn to the splendor of the city of David. There will even be the blessing of prosperity, says the prophet. And even though it's still dark, Something's coming. And here's the meaning of all this. When the night is at its darkest, 
you could choose to head west in attempt to chase the setting sun. But eventually, this will be a longer, unproductive, dark journey. Or, you could choose to turn east and face the darkness, in a sense, to embrace it, because the dawn will come from that direction, from the east. It's in choosing to face the night that you can take your first steps toward the sunrise. Rather than running from the darkness, move toward the light. In the words of Isaiah, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. There's the picture. It's said that Christopher Columbus quoted this scripture from Isaiah when he was attempting to convince the king and queen of Spain to underwrite his voyage to the Americas. He read Isaiah 60 to the king and queen in its entirety. His plan was to bring the resources of countries across the seas for Jerusalem's restoration. I always imagined uh, his selling points as being maps and, and mathematics and a cogent argument about the spherical qualities of the earth. <laughs> but no, no, he, he saw his journey as a fulfillment of what Isaiah had foretold. He was able to see the imagery and the, the hyperbole of this passage to reason and imagine something new and amazing. It gave him hope and apparently it worked. But imagination and hope. Wondering if you need this. Last week, Pastor Dan talked about welcoming and hospitality. He asked, how will we welcome God's messengers? How, how will we welcome God's children? How will we welcome the least of these, he said. I'd like to continue the conversation today, Dan, by asking, how will we open the doors to hope this Christmas? I believe it won't happen if we turn our faces to the wall and try to sleep through this season. For some of us, this may be a temptation to just turn away from it. Isaiah says in the words of the message translation, get out of bed, Jerusalem. <laughs> Wake up, put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen for you. We do this by welcoming Jesus. By saying, come, Lord Jesus. Come into our darkness. Come into the helplessness of my situation. Whatever it is, I open the doors of my heart to you. Do you know this is what he asks? Revelation 3.20 portrays Jesus saying these words. Listen. I'm standing at the door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you and you with me. There's something amazing about hospitality, you know? Hospitality is reflective. Choosing hospitality and welcome is like becoming a mirror. It reflects the light of love and joy. But here's the message for this morning. I, I'm, I'm especially talking to you if you're in a dark place right now. 
Be aware that Jesus is quoted as saying in Revelation 3.20 that, that this is a reality. He is knocking on the door. He wants to come in. He knows how dark it is in there. But he's bringing a party. <laughs> so the question is, are you open to, the, to going to open the door? Sometimes it's as simple as being honest with yourself and saying, yeah, it's dark. I need some light in here. You know, one of the best pieces of advice I ever heard was from a good friend who said, when you feel lousy, when you feel lousy, pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I feel lousy. Please come and feel lousy with me. Except lousy wasn't the adjective my friend used. <laughs> Whatever, whichever adjective works for you, use that adjective. I remember there was a Christmas season, and this is getting to be a long time ago, but it was 1997, and I remember because it was actually the Christmas season of 1997, and it was New Year's Day 1998, and, and the, uh, the Cougars were playing in the Rose Bowl, um, and they lost. <laughs> Sorry, Coug fans. But anyway, they, but I remember it was New Year's Day 1998, and that year, for some reason, the darkness of the season ran over me like a semi-truck, and it just would not go away. I remember we were in Lake Chelan with some friends, and uh, Christmas had come and gone. I was still in the dark, and I felt like I just wanted to be alone. You know, it's really a bummer to, be, to want to be, when, when you're on vacation and everyone's having a good time, and, and you simply can't seem to shake the darkness. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's really, it's really crummy. It's how I felt. And I think our friends and their kids and Chris and our kids were all ice skating. There was an ice skating rink there at Lake Chelan. And I was, I was by myself. I was in our rented condo. I was actually listening to uh, the new James Taylor album that had come out in 1997. And this song came on called Wake Up Susie. Wake up Susie, put your shoes on, walk with me into this light. It's not a very well-known James Taylor song, but the, 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 the verse goes like this. Another night has come, life goes on, another dawn is breaking. Turn and face the sun, one by one, the world outside is waking. Morning light has driven away all the shadows that hide your way. And night has given away to the promise of another day, another day. And I, as I listened to that song, it was just so odd. I realized that there was a possibility of a new day. But I was still chasing after the sunset of the previous one. What I needed to do was admit that, yeah, it has been dark, but a new day is coming, and it's a day that holds new joys and possibilities. And in that, in that moment, I can't explain it exactly, but the darkness broke. It's amazing how a little light can do that. And what it took for me was just, just letting go and, re, and inviting Jesus to shine his light. So this morning, if you're experiencing a dark time, hear these words again. 
Arise, shine, choose to walk toward the dawn. Now, how do you do this? It, it, it may mean reaching out to someone to help, to hear your story, so that you're not experiencing alone. It may mean welcoming someone into your home, choosing to, to be like that mirror we talked about, reflecting the light that they bring. It may mean prayerfully taking a few steps in the direction of the dawn of Jesus' invitation to open yourself up to him. Did you know? Did you know that that this is what the New Testament teaches about Jesus? You remember the story about Lazarus and his sisters? Martha and Mary and Lazarus dies. When Jesus saw Mary, John 11, 33 to 35 says this, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. Why was he weeping? He was weeping with them. If you are weeping in the dark, this is the most important thing I think I could say today is Jesus wants to be with you there. Hebrews 4 says, we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but we have one who in every respect has been tested as we were. You see, this is, this is great news. We don't have to suffer alone. Jesus is the light of the world. He said, whoever follows him will have the light of life. Sometimes it, just, it takes turning our eyes to him to open the door and to invite him in to feel what you feel and let the party begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Father, we come to you in this season of darkness and light asking you to show us the way through the night to the dawn of it, of a new day and a new hope. Lord, I pray especially for those here who have had to say goodbye to loved ones in the last few weeks and months for whom it feels that when they were left alone, all the light, all the light that they knew somehow disappeared. God, I pray for those who feel as if a dream has died and things are not going the way they imagined. For these, Lord, God, I pray that you would stand with them. Inspire them, God, with a new dream for a, a future with blessing and hope. I pray, Father, for those who feel today beaten up by life. Thank you, Jesus, that you offer to come and dine with us bringing a celebration of a new day even before it has begun. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would indeed bring the dawn of a new, a new day, a new day of joy, of gladness, that while we hold to good memories and sacred relationships, we also find it possible to experience the warmth of a new dawn that holds possibilities for laughter and the deepening of friendships and peace. Thank you, God, for the reminder in your gospel that even death does not hold the final word for those who call upon you. 
Thank you, God, for placing eternity in our hearts. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you bring your offering to the Lord this morning. <laughs>